You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. Yeah, you just got, you got sucked that thing. Yeah. <laughs> you got sucked that thing down. And Matty Rose. You look like you're having trouble stringing sentences together. So. I don't know where I felt like it. Get a little drink, right? Here, do you, bud? On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio in Edmonton. Maddie and I, it's the uh, Heritage Classic Hangover edition of the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. After the show, we're getting the hell out of Dodge. Yes. We're driving back to Calgary. Which, Can't uh, wait to nap. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, my first foray in Edmonton. Yeah. It is. What have you made of this lovely um, town? It's got a lot of character. A lot of character. Mm. I, what is that? Is that a good thing? It gave me uh, back home vibes. Hmm. Like Remi- reminds me of the city of Hamilton. Oh, not beautiful Niagara. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Like downtown Hamilton. A little gritty. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, we haven't seen the suburbs, but uh, yeah, it's we we wandered around downtown yesterday a little bit. Bars were jammed last night. The two yeah. bars in town were jammed. <laughs> yes, the two bars in town were jammed. Yeah, right to the roof. Yeah, couldn't even get in. Uh, we saw, by the way, uh, GVP and Patrick. Uh, we saw David Amber, uh, David Amber, Jem Botterill mm-hmm. out. Last night, mm, they mm. couldn't even get in. No, they couldn't oh, even. Not get even. In. They them. also got turned around. Yeah, hmm. not even the big wheels. Peter yeah. Klein got in, please. As that. soon as they got turned around, we were like, oh, okay, well, we should probably just go to the next. Stop. <laughs> yeah, we. Sh- yeah, <laughs> we, we no we're chance. not even going to ask. <laughs> okay, that's. Uh, okay. We ended up at an establishment last night uh, where we saw Brad Pascal. Yes, nice. and Jordan Sigla were there. Ooh. Yeah, uh, and they were sitting at a table with a bunch of Flames fans. Like beside a table of a bunch of flame yeah. fans, like two tables apart. Yeah, and uh, I went to uh, I went to the watchman and go, "Hey, you guys know you guys were sitting with the assistant GM of the Flames, right?" They're like, "Really?" I'm like, yeah, they had no idea he was there. Yeah, not the most recognizable compared to Craig, I guess, being right. an AGM. But at the same time, yeah, yep, out and about, yep, out and about. Uh, flames lose um, five two last night at the Heritage Classic in Edmonton. Um, Ken Reed, Sportsnet Central anchor. He's got a new book out. We'll talk to him at the bottom of the hour. Also, uh, our man Charles Davis, NFL on CBS analyst. Uh, he'll join us at the top of the hour. Got a hot Minnesota Vikings take. Mm. That piqued Maddie's interest. Mm. He's like, what? what? Yes, it very much did. Um, we'll ask Charles Davis that question. But uh, Vikings fl- continue to win. Yeah, but uh, Flames lose again. Last night, that's now five in a row. A team that's just frustrated. You can see it on Ryan Huska's face. You can see it on Michael Backlund's face. You can see it on Azam Kadri's face yesterday in the uh, post-game availabilities. Uh, Flames lose 5-2 in a game where Puck was bouncing a little bit, but that's to be expected in an outdoor game. Obviously, is isn't the same conditions as the controlled conditions of a National Hockey League game that's regularly played. Bounces for both teams. But again, bounces for both teams. I thought Jacob Markstrom was good. Um, but walking to the availabilities, I uh, I dropped this bomb of a take. Mm. And a uh, friend of the show, um, Julian McKenzie from The Athletic, was like, you could be onto something here. Mm-hmm. 
Are you ready for this uh, to take that's probably going to make you mad? Yeah. I thought about this watching the game. And you know what? I want to get Patrick's take on this first, and then, Maddie, you can respond. All right. Patrick, this team really reminds me of last year. Like, like it's it's hard not to just mm-hmm. see, you know, how frustrating it is to watch this team and the lack of goal scoring, especially with Tyler Toffoli gone now. Yeah. But watching that game yesterday and watching the last few games in particular with the Calgary Flames, this team reminds me of last season but doesn't work as hard. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, I think we, we kind of heard that. You know, from the from the coach there uh, against uh, against uh, whatever the oh my god I'm drawing a blank uh, the, the last game blues. before the blues. blues holy crap my god yeah the work ethic wasn't there and uh, yeah it feels like it's just not you're not out to lunch there for sure I think that's that's, that's totally a thing like it just it does feel like a team that's a little bit slower out there um, they don't want to take the hits as much they're easier to play against. they're a lot easier to play against. they can get pushed around a bit more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you do. You don't have Milan Lucic around anymore to, to to fight some battles that you need to have that physical presence. Albeit as as much of as a liability he might have been on the ice, like in the skill side, uh, what he did brought to the team physicality was 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 the best in the league amongst. So yeah, they are uh, they do get pushed around a little bit much. I I I don't disagree. Do you disagree with that take? Not really. How can oh, you? Okay. Like, th- th- this is a team that offensively has been the exact same last year. They took away their top point producer, and Sharon Govich has turned into a fourth-line center that is not really putting up very much offense, not putting up any offense at all. So the offense is the same in that sense. And some games recently, the work ethic has certainly lacked. Now the thing is that's something that can change. I, I think that you can definitely change that. And sometimes it takes veterans a little longer to get going, but I I don't think that's crazy to say. I don't think that's ridiculous because yeah, they were straight up outworked by the St. Louis Blues. I thought it was a lot better against the Oilers in the Heritage Classic, but yeah. But if you can't get up for a game like that, but they did. No, I I know. Like you would hope that, but even in the first period. I thought the Oilers uh, really took it to them off the hop. And, and, and credit the Flames in the second period for having that pushback. But, yeah, I hope in an environment like that that you'd be putting forth a, a very good effort. It's just we haven't seen it really with this team. And that game against the Rangers, like a couple of those deflection goals on the power play just broke the spirits of this team. And last season I just felt like there was more fight to this team and they, they'd battle back and they'd lose all these heartbreaking games by one goal or an overtime in the shootout. It's just, I felt like last year they were just a harder team to play against and they came with you in waves. And that's always been the strength of this Calgary flames team since I've been here is the depth of this lineup uh, from the, the 12 forwards to the top four D even 60 on this team. This team is just their success is, is based on their depth we're just not seeing that this season. Like, it's just not there. It, the, the effort is not the same as it was last year. And I think I think that's the maybe the most alarming thing. Outside of obviously struggling to score and maybe not having a, a true finisher on this team yet, Matt Coronado obviously could potentially turn into that guy. But it's just watching this team and how just easier their play against, I, I think that's maybe the, the most dis disappointing part of this flame season so far 
Yeah, I guess they've been easier to play against. This is a team that's struggling to find their defensive zone coverage right now too, which certainly I don't think helps in in that kind of conversation when you're always getting mixed up with your pass-offs and and everything that goes into playing in that defensive zone. So, yeah, I I don't think that's crazy to say. You know, you you lost some guys that, like Patty said, Lucic wasn't necessarily giving you a whole lot as far as offense or – you know, five-on-five play, but he was a bit of a more physical presence. I think A.J. Greer has been that guy. I've, I've liked the work from the back on line at, at times, but, yeah, overall, I think the thing for this team is if they're not working, then they're probably not scoring, and even then they have to work way harder to produce any sort of offense than most teams do in the NHL, so it, it, I bet it can get exhausting, but like one of the things that I've been talking about the last little bit is I'd like to see this team do a little bit more work off the cycle, but in order to do that, you have to be ready to work hard. I thought we saw it a little bit in that game, yeah, but still not enough and not producing enough to put anything down in the bank and, and say, yeah, we, we've done a good job here, and this is a step in the right direction. How maddening are the turnovers this, this, this team it's produces? It's been the worst part of the team for me. It's driving me nuts. The turnovers on the rushes are egregious and terrible the third goal yeah. was uh was was big one yeah man japani had yeah. a neutral zone turnover um and it always seems like it, it ends up in the back of their net or actually the amount of turnovers eventually they end up in the back of the net yeah like the thing is that this is a team that's trying to press a little bit more and get their defense involved but if you're making passes that are getting picked off because they're too predictable then all of a sudden you're getting all of your defensemen stopping on a dime and trying to accelerate the other direction while the other team's already coming at you with a head of steam and then you start running around in your d zone and it's a point shot that goes through traffic that's deflected and and goes in how many goals have we seen against the flames this year where a group gets into the defensive zone the flames take a, a second to get themselves set and the opposition rips it around the outside, takes one shot, it goes off traffic, and it goes in. It feels like every other game the opposition is getting a goal like that. Yeah. And I don't know if you need to get your forward out there to do a better job blocking, if there is somewhere that you can try and attack that play before it gets around the horn to the defenseman. But, yeah, it's been a struggle for them to defend. I know that uh, the shadow of Daryl Sutter is still on this team. There's no question. But I think through nine games so far of of this iteration of the Calgary Flames, I don't think there's any question. And obviously that can change, and it can, and there's still a lot of leeway here in the season. They they still have a ton of games here to right the ship. But through nine games this season, I don't think there's any doubt that this team was a hell of a lot more responsible defensively last season under Daryl. Well, they're doing a completely different system. So, yeah, they were. They were doing something that's a little bit more old school and simple, and he teaches it very well, 100%. And they've tried to do something different this year, something new, and it's taken some time to click, like we saw with the Oilers yesterday. They've been trying to do the same system change the Flames have been trying to do. Theirs also has not been going very well. And they have apparently switched it and kind of gone back to what they were doing prior. So, you know, I I do wonder if the Flames think about doing the same thing. Um, But right now, to me, it looks like there's one type of goal that continues to happen against the Flames with this new coverage. And 
I'm interested to see how they continue to kind of adjust because it is that play outside on the perimeter and then the point shot that just Markstrom can't see and he doesn't have much of a chance on. And well, I don't love that. Also, turnovers in the neutral zone that end up going the other way well, seemingly end up in the back of their net. Yeah, there's a lot of issues. I don't know if one of them is more glaring than the other, but the turnovers to me seem to be a bigger issue because mm-hmm. not only are you all of a sudden being forced to defend, but any offense that you might have had an opportunity at is snuffed out. And in reality, when you look at this team, you know, the the, the backland line, that's not necessarily a group that I say, oh, they should be real dangerous off the rush. They can be, but they're pretty balanced as far as the way that they attack. Jonathan Huberto is a rush attack type of player, and if you're not getting anything going through the neutral zone, he gets pretty subdued offensively. Mm-hmm. So... That's what we've seen from this group. Uh, I I know I've had this conversation with you, and and you know, when I hear about stuff like, uh, oh no, they they got to get to the road, and that'll help with team bonding, and it's all about chemistry in the room. I get all of that stuff, but what was what was the biggest thing that was coming out of the Calgary Flames this past season? The guys weren't having fun. Mm-hmm. It, it was a chore coming to the rink. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Daryl was the scapegoat for that. He, he had to go because they wanted to have more fun in and around the team. And heading into the season, I think there was a, there was a, there was a marked difference uh, with the attitude and energy around the Dome heading into the season. Mm-hmm. How much fun are the players having right now? Well, not a lot, but they're not winning. So, why would they be having fun? It's just a roundabout me way of saying that stuff like that is just way overblown I and, and, and uh, way and way too talked about I think that it's one of those things that you can't put a blanket over a lot of groups I think it affects different groups differently uh, and it's all based on your personnel and who's in the room and I don't know if that's the type of stuff that we ever really get to find out if it does matter um, I think I think it was really important to come into the year and, and just be feeling better and be feeling a little bit good about kind of the the direction and the changes and and all of that type of stuff but yeah obviously it's not that fun when you're losing so yeah i guess ryan huska what i i don't know what the what the point is what's the fun factor like in that room right now because that was something we heard that uh a lot and on this radio station guys weren't having fun last season well you know what's fun? Winning. Winning on a consistent basis is also fun. It's just a roundabout way me of saying, I just think a lot of that's just overrated. And a lot of teams that don't have fun or don't like each other, a lot of them can have a lot of success. Not anymore. That doesn't happen that much anymore. You look at the teams that have won, typically they're very tight-knit. The Golden Knights, pretty tight-knit. What we've seen from Tampa Bay over the last little bit, pretty tight-knit. So... I would push back on that a little bit. I think that's okay. a little bit more old school. I don't know if we've had many teams recently that did not like each other and have had success. I think that's more of an old school mentality. All right. Where it was just get out and do the work. Uh, you know who you can ask about the old school mentality? Oh, Ken yes, Reed, because he's definitely old school. Oh, uh, yeah. Sportsnet Central anchor. Uh, he also has a new book out, uh, Hometown Hockey Heroes. We'll talk to Ken Reed straight ahead. Charles Davis, NFL on CBS analyst, NFL Network, will join us at the top of the hour. I got a spicy Minnesota Vikings take. Yes. I want to uh, share with Charles Davis. We'll do all of that next. It's the big show. Live from beautiful Edmonton, Alberta, Canada world.
Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio in beautiful Edmonton. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Um, we're driving back to Calgary right after the show. Like, that's that's the plan. Mm-hmm. We've enjoyed our time in Edmonton, but uh, we're going to get the hell out of here right after the show. Um, back to normal surroundings tomorrow. At the top of the hour, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS analyst, breakdown a busy week eight of the National Football League. What the hell is wrong with the San Francisco 49ers, too? And I don't know. I had this take, Maddie, earlier on the season. Mm-hmm. I asked Ross Tucker, is Brock Purdy a system quarterback? No, 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 no. Is Brock Purdy a system quarterback? I didn't like either of those interceptions he threw. Well, I liked them because they were right to Bengals linebackers, which is incredible news for the right. Bengals. But, yeah, they're not good picks to throw. No. 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 Um, joining us on the line right now, though, you watch him on uh, Sportsnet Central. Uh, and he's also the author of a brand-new book, Hometown Hockey Heroes on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar Guest Hotline. We say good morning to Ken Reed. Hey, pal, how are you? Hey, Georgie. What's up, buddy? How's it going? How's Edmonton, pal? Uh, first time. I've been to Edmonton. Yeah. Thoughts? It's it's got a lot of character. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. First time in Edmonton, yeah. I worked there for three years, you know, after I worked in Calgary for four, Edmonton for two, Ottawa for no, Edmonton for three, Ottawa for two. Got to see the whole country. Okay, so you worked in Ottawa, Edmonton and Calgary. Which one was the coldest? It was Ottawa, right? No, it was Edmonton. God. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't hesitate there. You're like, oh, Lord, it was that. No, it was, it was cold. It was cold. Uh, um, passionate sports fans, I'll say that. Oh, for sure. Um, wanted yeah. to ask you, uh, you kind of fashion yourself as an old school kind of dude. Um, wanted yeah. to ask you one thing. How How is it possible in today's age of technology where we can fake stuff like the moon landing? And yeah. how is it possible Fairly. that we don't know that the puck goes over the line or not, Ken Reed? How how are we still how do we still have this issue in the National Hockey League? It's a great question. They tried putting that tracker in the puck, but the thing bounces too much. The puck bounces enough as it is. What's wrong with just doing the video review? I probably shouldn't say that on Calgary Radio, given that Mark Tangelo not clearly <laughs> scored in Game Six in 2004. Like clearly, um, I don't know. I guess they they can't figure it out. You'd think there'd be some sort of infrared rays below the below the crossbar or something, but that's up to the nerds. Instead of concentrating on analytics and ruining, trying to ruin the game of uh, hockey with analytics, why don't nerds develop a way to see if a puck crosses the line? They would serve hockey much better, yep. and we wouldn't have to deal with the analytics. So there you go. There's my challenge. Nerds, find a way to see if the puck crosses the line instead of telling me some weird stat that doesn't really matter. There. Let's put it out there, Matt. Let's put it out there, George. The like nerd it. community. Let's find yeah. a way to determine whether the puck is in instead of boring me and confusing people with analytics. Yeah, do something productive with your time. Thank you. Yeah, something like that. Uh, we're very excited about the new book, though. Can you tell us a little bit? came out on October the 24th. Players from small towns that have maybe not made it big in the NHL but contributed to their community in a big sense. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about uh, some of the stories inside it? Every small town has a guy that they go, well, he would have made it, but, 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 but. So I turned it around. I said, maybe he did make it. Maybe he made it in a different way. So I grew up going to junior C games in Picton, Nova Scotia. My hero was a guy named Dana Johnson, who everybody called T-Bot. 
because he's short and stout. The man could score goals at will. Nobody can grow a handlebar mustache faster. He's still a legend around the town. He's the best lobster fisherman. He used to win the golf championship every year. And he's just a guy that everybody looks up to and worships. Now, I heard an ad for the Calgary Wranglers before we came on. And I immediately thought of Alex Gallant and that tilt he had, right? Yes. That was beautiful. Well, Alex's dad, Pinky, Pinky Gallant, is in the book because Alex's dad threw like that, just like Alex did, in the PEI Junior and the PEI Senior League. Now, here's my favorite part of that, the story of Alex's dad. Alex's dad, Pinky, passed away a few years ago, and the boys, Alex, Brad, and Brad, just love their father. And Pinky's known throughout the island as the like the toughest guy on the ice but the nicest guy off the ice. And if you ever, you ever talk to Alex, you'll see why. Alex is the nicest kid going, and he can throw. So when Gerard Gallant was a kid, he was the stick boy for a junior A team in Summerside. And he said the best thing was every Sunday afternoon, Charlottetown was coming to town to play Summerside. And Alex and Gerard Gallant would watch from the bench as Pinky Gallant fought Stevie Gallant, and none of them were related. That's awesome. They would just... <laughs> They would just go and throw. So Pinky made a huge impact on some Western PEI. He's so proud of his sons, Alex and Brad. Like I, I loved when Alex switched to left at the end of the fight the other night. Because in the book, Alex tells me, yeah. you know, Dad would always get mad when I switched to left. And he'd say, why are you switching to left? And Alex would just say, yeah, I'm bored. You know. <laughs> wow, that's great. That fight that we were just talking about that on the weekend. I was at the Wranglers oh, yeah? opener. and Yeah, it went viral. It was Man, it was such a good fight, and that's such a crazy was, story to bring it all back, yeah, too. That, that comes back, but the Flames have two wins. I would call Alex Galan up yesterday just to show those, show the guys, like, this is what hard work looks like. Like, call up somebody with some grit. Somebody's going to do something. Like, show them what hard work looks like. Like, with Kane boarding, um, boarding Kadri in that game and kind of no response, it's like, come on, guys. Like, the response yeah. was a little with Evander Kane going, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he's right. What are you going to do? Well, if you can't, that, that w- you get two wins the, in nine games, do something. That wasn't a problem here last year with the heavyweight champ on the team. There you go. Well, you got uh, Alex Gallant down there working his, you know, what's off, and he'll throw with anybody. But uh, I'm not saying just call him up to do that, but call up somebody to show people what hard work looks like. But, yeah, it was that's a good Calgary connection in the book with Alex out there going viral. And I wish he had an ad for my book on his back. My dad's in the book. My dad's in the book. <laughs> we'll have to mention it anytime he gets in a good scrap for the Wranglers this season. We'll make sure that we're uh, bringing it up for you there, too. I guess, what did you see from the Heritage Classic, the spectacle from uh, out east as you were taking it in? Yeah, it's, just, it's funny. I was in Edmonton until Sunday morning. I flew back yesterday. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I I could have gone to the game, but I'm, I'm like in, in dad chapter, so my son had a game last night, and my other son wanted to go skating. So I caught the last my 10 minutes of the third. I, I caught the highlights. But, I mean, it's a spectacle as always, right? And it looked really cool to have Commonwealth packed. I mean, I went to – I've gone to an outdoor game in Ottawa and an outdoor game here in Toronto. And really what you got to do is tip your cap to the fans because they can't yeah. see what's going on, right? Like, you're there for the experience. It looks really cool. I thought all the alumni for both teams look really cool. Um, but, yeah, it's a spectacle. It's a showcase for the NHL. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think it's uh, it's a good event. It's too bad that uh, both teams are struggling. But you talk about 
an event early in the year with both teams just in desperate need of a win. I was like, holy smokes. I thought it might end in a tie, even though there are no ties anymore. But that's yeah. how bad the Oilers and Flames have been playing. I thought it might end in a tie. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. I had a rant about a week and a half ago, Ken. Yeah. Um, I, I'm okay with games ending in a tie after regulation. Yeah. Like, what, like, again, everybody loves three on three, and some of them yeah. are good, and then some of them are just teams just hold on to the puck forever. And then we yeah. ended a shootout where we see Kuznetsov taking 25 seconds. The shootout's got to go. I, the yeah, shootout's okay. got to go away. I, I get all of that. I'm okay with yeah. ties. I no. really am. Okay. No. I really am. No. Like, that is so American of us that I remember mm-hmm. when I was yeah, a kid. We're in North America. Well, I said American of us. You don't have to Americanize our game. Um, I, I remember, you know, watching games in the old Adams division between the Whalers and the Habs, Kenny. Now we're teams, talking. Uh, yeah, like uh, Dean Evison and Ray Ferraro and Alf Samuelson, Mike Leud and Nett. Like, those games used to tie sometimes. And, hey, winning in regulation. I don't think there's anything wrong with a tie. Like, there has to be a winner. There has to be something. Winning regulation. I don't know. I'm, 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 not, I'm not anti-tie at all, Kenny. I'm anti-tie. I'm anti-tie. I don't want to okay. tie, but I'm, I'm anti-shootout. Um, all right. You play three on three. Okay, how about this? Three on three for up to ten minutes. Then if it ends in a tie, then I'll take my tie. The shootout has to go. It's crap. But remember when three on three started, it was end-to-end crazy. You still get that sometimes. But we all knew. Guess what coaches do? They ruin offensive hockey, and we knew that was going to happen. So you hang on to the puck to get your ideal chance. Want to hear my 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 uh, NHL rule change, boys? My yes. random thought of the day. Yep. One coach, one trainer on the bench. No communication up top. That ensues chaos. Line changes are screwed up. Guys start not playing their system. Mistakes happen. One coach on the bench. One trainer on the bench. You don't need, you know, you don't need entourage with Turtle and Johnny Drama back there. There's far too many people on the bench. Yeah. One coach. Yeah. Hockey's great. When more mistakes happen, it would happen with more with less coaches on the bench. You want my changes? Laptop. Sorry. My change would be that if you score while well, you have the net empty and there's a penalty coming, you still get the full penalty. You scored at six on six. You should get your penalty. Say that again. I'm trying to follow that. If, you, if there's a delayed call coming up. There's a delayed call on the ice, and you score during the delayed call, you should still get the penalty. Yeah. Instead, they just take oh, the penalty yeah. off the ice. You scored at six on six. You had no advantage. What's the point? Touch the uh-huh. puck if you're the opposition. Yeah, I don't mind that. I think if you get two minutes, it should be two minutes. Like I, I think you should keep a guy in the box for the whole thing on the power play. But you guys know if they did that, they'd be even more reluctant to call penalties. Because to do for me, I don't – see, people pick on the refs too much. I, I don't like people picking on the like, – refs are going to have bad games too, but I like a ref who manages a game, not calls a game. But that's that old school stuff, right? Give me Ron Hogarth with no lid. Right. <laughs> Kerry Fraser with his beautiful hair. Oh, my there. God. What a mane. What a mane. That thing was spectacular. Um, uh, there, are, Ken there, are, there are horses in southern Alberta that just look like Kerry Fraser. Stallions just go, look at that hair. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, Ken Reed, Sportsnet Central host, uh, author of Hometown Hockey Heroes on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's the big show, Ruskin Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, Maddie and I had this conversation yesterday at the bar after the game. I want to get your yeah. thoughts on it. I don't – when I watch Connor McDavid, and we know Bedard's up here, and he's a very dynamic player, and all these uh, – Celebrini's going to be probably the number one pick coming up in this draft, and we see all these prospects coming up. 
But, Kenny, nobody even remotely, like, skates like Connor McDavid. Like, just how incredible is that, that even now when it's all about skill training, and I'm sure eventually somebody will, will kind of mirror what he does, but he's such a special athlete, he's such a special player, that nobody even, like, resembles him out on the ice, which I think just makes it even more remarkable. It's not really a question, it's, it's more of a statement. It's funny, on my way to my kids' game yesterday, my little guy asked me, who's the best skater you ever saw? I said, Paul Coffey. Who's the fastest you ever saw? Connor McDavid. Like, uh, Coff was smooth. Um, McDavid's smooth and looks hardworking, and his brain matches his feet, right? So many times we've seen burners come up, guys who can fly, but their hands and brain just can't keep hips. His brain keeps up. It's absolutely incredible to watch. It's incredible to watch in person when he's away, like doesn't have the puck. You see how he's just kind of waiting for that spot, and then he takes off. But the other thing is, I think, what, three strides, he's up to full speed. Like, it doesn't take him long to reach that max speed. Like, he's just, uh, yeah, to watch, it's it's incredible. I remember when Rico Fata came up at the Flames, I was working in Calgary. He was so fast, but, like, a lot of fast guys, it's just his hands couldn't keep up. But with McDavid, the hands keep up. Like, I mean, he's the, if you're a skills kid as, as a coach, he's the ideal model, right? He's got the speed on the hands. Obviously, he, he played in the game yesterday, and, and he had an impact in the contest, but we saw the Oilers without him as well. Um, what did you make of how they played without him? And obviously, he's, he's a huge part of their team, and they're going to struggle when he's not hurt, but how yeah. much they struggled might have been a surprise to some. Absolutely, yeah, and that shows you how much they rely on him. I mean, if you're the, if you're the Edmonton Oilers, okay, if you're the third and fourth line, basically, it's, we, don't have, don't, we don't have to score, just don't get scored against. Second line contribute a little, and McDavid's got to take charge. So if the rest of the team can just kind of stay even and wait for the big moments, they'll win some hockey games. If the rest of the team tries to run and gun like he can, they're going to lose some hockey games. So I think it's probably tough to just adjust your style suddenly when your big guy goes out. Like, everything changes if you're not playing that way. And I, I hate to promote boring defensive hockey, but that's how they can win because they got that one guy that, that's probably going to end up on the plus side on any given night. What what have you seen from the Canucks this season? I think they're off to a much better start than I know George and I certainly expected. Yeah. You know that meme you see on the internet of the middle-aged guy kind of blinking and looking surprised? Like, oh, whoa. Yeah. That's what I think yeah. of the Canucks. Yeah, like, he does a little hmm, head tilt whoa. like a dog. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know the one you're talking about, yeah. Huh. What's happening there? Wow. That's, that's what that. I think of the Canucks. Yeah, I, I right behind the, the Golden Knights, hey? Huh. Yeah. yeah. When I tuned into season box. Uh, uh, when I tuned into Who's the Boss season two, and I went, this is not bad. This is not bad. That's what I think of the Canucks. Mona's kind of hot. Like, that's what I think of the Canucks. Like, they're surprising me, but in a good way. Um, best Who's the Boss episode were uh, later on uh, when uh, Tony buys Samantha that car. Ken Reed. Oh, yeah? Uh, see, With I like all the, the reflectors baseball. on it. Yeah, yeah, that was good. But I like the baseball one where I'm like, there's no way he was a major league player. His slide sucks. Yeah, he was just right. In the air. He should have tried. He should have went low and tried to grab the side of home plate. That's right in yeah. the intro. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, but again, like if you played in major league, you should be able to hit a home run every time. Slow pitch. Okay. I think the biggest. I think the biggest. Uh, biggest thing. Who's the boss ever did culturally was try to turn around the image of the 1970s man. It. Uh, it tried to do wonders for that. It's true. Um, we we had a conversation about fun. 
Um, yep. Because that that was kind of a, a thought around here in Calgary, uh, and the guys talked about it, and that's something that was talked about all summer. This team didn't have fun on the ice mm-hmm. last year. Now it's a new coach, new regime. Uh, I guess guys are having more quote-unquote fun, but the team has two wins in nine games. Do we overrate that uh, when it comes to an NHL dressing room or maybe mm-hmm. not enough? Okay, who was the coach last year? Well, we, we all know who the coach was last year. Yeah, do you ever – I don't think ranching's fun. It's rewarding. Yeah. You can take a sure. moment and kind of breathe it all in yep. and say and be satisfied, but I don't think that the Sutter way of hockey is fun. It can be effective, but I think it has to be both. I think you can have fun once you start rolling. Like, it should be fun to go to a rink. It should be fun to, to play hockey. I think it, it's not fun when you have two wins in nine games to start the season. I think fun oftentimes is a byproduct of winning. So if you win first, the fun will follow. If you just go in, you know, Goofy McGee, that's going to be tough. I think fun is, in, in at least in the NHL, like fun in my kids' house is just fun. In the NHL, you almost got to earn your fun, if you know what I'm saying. But I would say that certain structures, certain coaches would make earning that more fun perhaps easier or more attainable. That's what I would say on fun. And you're talking to a fun guy. You guys know I'm a complete and total idiot. Like, I like to have fun in everything I do. So I try to make this fun, you know, like by, by adding that statement and talking about Tony Danza. Mm, yeah, no, I- all adds up, yeah, for sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you: We have a sports equinox today. How, where does that stand on things that get you fired up in the sporting world? As we're going to see all four of them, a sports equinox, MLB, NFL, NHL, NBA, all in action today, and I guess a couple of MLS games if you want me to throw those in for you too. Okay, it's equinox. Is that kind of an astro- astronomy term? Yeah, it's, it's okay. some sort of uh, something in the sky. Yeah, it's equinox. like an eclipse, but not, equinox. I don't know. No, okay, it's... I failed astronomy in university, and then I had to a second time I got D minus, so I didn't really understand the question. Um, I'll be honest, what it means to me is, oh, my God, it's going to be a long night at work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Like the night the 16 NHL, the NHL the 16 games? Yeah. I was just, I was just confused. Like, I can't keep track of 16 games all starting 15 minutes apart. I don't, I don't get it. I'm more, I like a, like I like the Heritage Classic kind of goes single event. Like, tonight I'm going to have to keep an eye on everything. Like, that's multitasking. But, uh, yeah, I, it does not get me fired up, especially when you add in the MLS part. But I, the MLS part, at least I can ignore it. Right. If you could only watch one tonight, what would it be? You got World Series, Monday Night Football, Week Eight. There's some pretty decent slate of some hockey games and some NBA. Raptors are playing. Which one's at the yeah. top of your list? I'll watch hockey. Yeah, for sure. But I'll have the World Series on too because I love me some baseball mm-hmm. and I love the Bruce Bochy factor. Uh, but um, yeah, if you you can only one watch one of be hockey. Um, how much do you hate watching Gab Moreno right now for the Diamondbacks? <laughs> Uh, maybe some schadenfreude. Yeah. Uh, the two yeah. guys who run the Blue Jays, as you know, are the smartest people in the world. And so smart that they hired someone that would just listen to their analytics instead of trusting a man who's been around baseball for years, an old school guy, because that wasn't going to work in Toronto. And I love the narrative. Like, I mean, if you would have traded Moreno one up for our show, I could live with it. It's a mistake. The fact that it was Moreno and Guriel, two guys, I'm like, 
I remember when the trade was made, I'm like, what they get rid of Moreno for? You're supposed to do the future. And they, and Guriel too. Yeah. Of was a fine player, but, and the fact that they can go on stage in front of the assembled media and their fan base just days after just absolutely blowing it with their dumbass analytics in the playoffs and say it's too early to evaluate that trade, that is absolutely hilarious to me. Um, where does Ross Atkins uh, saying that that wasn't, you know, it was all John Schneider's decision in, like, yeah. shocking, like, postseason mortem moments? Because I, I was floored when he said that because usually these guys are very smooth and they usually say the right things. I was just surprised yeah. how he just threw his manager under the bus. Totally threw him under the bus. That's like the guy that r- runs the farm telling the farmer or telling the the the, this, the ranch hand, the assistant, okay, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go tear, build that fence now. But then everything goes wrong. It's thunder and lightning, and the guy's like, well, I probably shouldn't go up there and build that fence. But he told me, and you're there's so much – so much pressure to do it their way that you just do it, and it, it just was so wrong. At, at like the fact that Schneider couldn't step back and go, look, I gotta just tell the bosses, like I gotta manage this game from what I see. But I will give analytics credit; it has done wonders to try and ruin baseball. It's taken the human element out of baseball. Um, it's it's sad, but what I love is you got a guy in Bruce Bochy who was hired by a general manager, and the general manager kind of went, okay, Boach, it's my job to hire you. It's your job to manage the game. Whereas a lot of baseball organizations now go, okay, it's my job to hire you, and I'm going to manage you as you manage the game, and you're going to manage the game my way. So to have a bunch of guys with their pie charts and spreadsheets spread out, I mean, it's just, to me, analytics are a way to, the nerds snuck in the high school party, right? They've convinced owners that this is the way to go, that it's the right way. And you're just seeing time and time again of it just blowing up in their face. I mean, how many World Series have the Oakland A's won since this whole thing? Zero. So that was just a decision that it sadly, the sad part is it didn't, it disgusted me. It didn't surprise me. Like, I loved on the broadcast when Buck's reaction was like, is, is uh, Kikuchi up in the bullpen? He's throwing, he's throwing hard like he's going to come in, you yeah. know? And he did, and it was just so wrong. So, like, you're you were paying uh, Barrios 131 million dollars. If that if you don't got him for that game for that moment when he's cooking, what are you doing? I mean, come on. Um, I wish Buck would release an audio book of him just saying players' names because I could listen to that oh, all day. What's your favorite one? I'll give you mine. You oh, go first. Okay, there's two. Obviously, everyone loves Teoscar Hernandez. Like, it's just yeah. one long word. And then yeah. a one that's very under the radar that I used to love, and I was sad oh, yeah. when he left the team. Freddie Galvis. Freddie like, Galvis. You team. know what my favorite is? My favorite is? Da-da-ba-da-cha. Danny Valencia. Da-da-ba-da-cha. <laughs> Da-da-ba-da-cha. <laughs> yep. That was my favorite. Da-da-ba-da-cha. Hernandez. Yeah. Buck is so Oh man, I was down by the. He's so kind. My kid, and I, I'll take my kids around the field. He's so kind. He loves baseball so much. Oh yeah, like, he's, he's the best. best. I love Buck. Oh my God, I love him. Yeah, he's awesome. We're blessed to have him and Shulman call all these games. Yeah, we're really lucky. Uh, we're lucky that you jumped on this morning. Uh, tell us where to get your new book. You can buy Ken Reed's hometown hockey heroes 
at Chapters, your local bookstore, Amazon. And there's a cool story in the book about George Palawa, who the Flames drafted in the first round in 1986. Uh, he died in a car accident a couple months later, unfortunately. And it was going to remind me of your song, Big League, because a lot of people think that song might be about him. And Al Coates filled me all in on that, so Coatsy was a big hand. So thanks, Coatsy. Great stuff. Uh, Ken, uh, we'll be watching you tonight. Thanks for this, pal. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for the line, and always always nice catching up. Give me a shout anytime. Sounds good. Uh, there is uh, Ken Reed on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Got a hot uh, Minnesota Vikings take for Charles Davis straight ahead. Ooh. And is Brock Purdy a system quarterback? Ooh. And we'll talk more about uh, the Flames falling at the Heritage Classic to the Edmonton Oilers. 5-2 last night. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Live from Edmonton, Sportsnet 960, the fan.